This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. to go to, but we're going to go to Second Chronicles in your Bible. I know you've been standing up, up and down for quite a bit here today, but I'm going to ask you to stand while we read Second Chronicles. This church is no stranger to this scripture, Second Chronicles chapter number 7. Everybody say 7. seven. Not sure why I put a mint in my mouth before I preached. I needed to save that till after I got done. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter number seven. We're going to start at verse number twelve. You've heard me quote it. You've heard me preach from it. You've heard me share this multiple times. And this was not in my original notes, but I felt the Lord said, "Start here." So that's what we're going to do. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Everybody say by night. Now, now I know why the Lord told me to start here. Somebody's in nighttime right now, and you need God. I'm thankful that the Lord didn't show up in the daytime all the time. He shows up in the nighttime, too. Yeah. He, he shows up in the troubled time just as much as he does in the good times. And said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. And if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. That sounds like a pretty dark time. And the scripture, verse number 14, says, If my people, which are called by my... Yeah, you got it. Shall humble themselves and... And do what? And then turn from their wicked ways. We got to pause there. You can't read the scripture and just gloss right over that. Many of us will say, I'm called by the name of Jesus, and I will humble all, and we pray, and we seek his face, but you don't want to turn from your wicked ways. That's what the Bible says. This is not what I'm saying. It's what the Bible says. Turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear. You know what? Back up. 
it is your choice to turn away. I said it's your choice to turn away. You can choose to turn to Jesus or you can choose not to turn to Jesus. It is your choice. Then will I hear from heaven. You can't hear from heaven unless you turn away. Many people in the last days will say, Lord, Lord. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and, I like this, will heal their land. And then... I'm thankful the Lord because the Lord just revealing to me why he wanted me to start here. Now mine eyes shall. <laughs> How many want your eyes to open up? <laughs> the Old Testament prophet was on a wall. The servant said there's an enemy camp, enemy around us. But the old prophet said, open up your eyes. He prayed and said, God, open up his eye that he may see. And he saw the host of angels around about the enemy camp. For now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. What is this place? I don't think that is necessarily just because he was in the house of God, but because the place meant his spiritual place. A spiritual place. He prayed, sought the face of God, humbled himself, turned from the wicked ways. That place. Everybody say that place. How many want your eyes to open and God's ears to tend to the prayer that is made in that place? For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Somebody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah, and we'll be going through some Isaiah scriptures here in just a few moments. Um, but I want to uh, say a couple things before I get into a word of the Lord. It's good to have Matt and Shannon Armstrong here today and their two boys. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord with us today. They are members of Calvary Tabernacle and old friends of ours. And I ran into Matt at men's conference, right? And Matt goes, we need to come over and visit y'all. And I said, yeah, you do. And, and, um, and they popped in today. So, Matt, thank you. Um, and uh, this man's got an incredible testimony. And I'm not going to have you come up and testify. I felt the instant pressure come your way. I wouldn't do that to you. And um, love this family very, very much. And we crossed paths uh, a long time ago. Known uh, Shannon for a long time. And then they popped in in Kentucky at our church, Kentucky. It was at. I'm like, what are you doing here? And they had friends down there. And, and um, so an incredible family. Yes, thank you, Shannon, for that. And <laughs> So, so thankful that you're here. Also, I think they stepped out, um, but um, Helen and Audrey were here from Traditions. I don't know if some of you recognize them. Um, I talked about the power of the Holy Ghost last week, and then um, she goes, I need to come and visit the church. And they had never heard anybody speak in tongues, and I think today they heard somebody speaking in tongues. And uh, <laughs> um, so God will reach them here today. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today. I'm going to talk for a few minutes. I want you to follow along. Poke your neighbor and say, I need to follow along. I want you to listen to what I have to say today. Do not let your mind wander too far. And with the help of the Lord, I want to bring to your attention some things in the Word of God that I believe is for this church um, and, uh, and for today. Um, look to your neighbor and say, why he makes a way. I'm here to tell you, Jesus can and will make a way. And I'm going to try to tell you, by the help of the Lord, why he makes a way. Somebody say, why? Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. There's an old Carmen song. How many Carmen lovers are in the house here today? I'll, okay, now all you 18, 1980s, early 90s. How many went to Carmen concerts? How many? Come on, you can admit it. He sang an old song that says, I've been delivered. And I began to sing this song every now and again. And today, I, this morning, I was in here for prayer. And, and I left prayer because I wanted to go look up the lyrics to 
Carmen song, I've been delivered. And it says this, Jesus healed the blind man and made him see. Cast demons out the man from Gadarene. He cleansed the lepers too. He made the lame brand new. He put hope back in a hopeless life. So I testify to you, I've been delivered. I've been delivered. The hold the devil had on me, he ain't got no more. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. Delivered by the hand of the Lord. He saved a man I know this close to death. He gave a boy with asthma back his breath. The best miracle to see is when sin, he sets you free. Because you know when he sets you free, you know you're freed indeed. I've been delivered. I wish I had somebody who would testify with me for a moment. Have you been delivered by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ? I've not been delivered by this world. Too many people are confused with deliverance. You think you're happy in this world. The world will not deliver you. The world will put you in a place of bondage. Oh, the world will be fun for a little while, but you are not prepared to go down the road of this world. It ends in bondage. It ends in a place that you wish you never got yourself in. But Jesus says, I come to deliver I've come to set the captives free. I've come to do what no man on this earth has ever done before. I'm coming to die. I'm coming to be to be stripes on my back. I'm coming to bore healing. I'm come to bore shame. I've come to bore addiction. I've come to bear sin of every kind. And he says, I have come to deliver everyone that is in bondage and that needs deliverance. Now, I said I would talk. I did not want to go there quite yet. Bible, the, the song con, uh, continues to say, I've been delivered and I ain't lost. I've been delivered through the cross. I've been delivered by the blood. I've been delivered by the saving blood. How many knows it's the blood of Jesus Christ? I cannot get a witness. Is it because of the blood of Jesus Christ? I've been delivered through the hand. I've been delivered by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to deliver somebody in the name of Jesus today. I said, God wants to deliver you today. He wants to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. How many are going through something right now? It just doesn't seem a way out. Got a few honest people in here. There seems to be no way out, but I'm going to tell you why the Lord wants to make a way. I said he wants to make a way in your life. If it's sickness, he can make a way. If it's a job, he can make a way. If it's deliverance in your mind from addiction, pornography, or alcohol, or drugs, I'm here to tell you God can make a way. I've seen it too many times. God didn't bring us this far to disappoint us, but he come and brought us this far to deliver us. I'm thankful that I serve the Alpha and the Omega. I serve a God that knows the end from the beginning. I'm thankful that I not only serve a God at the beginning and the end kind of God, but he carries me through the middle of the Alpha and the Omega. Thankful that the Lord picks me up and puts me upon a rock to stay. He puts my feet upon a sure foundation. He puts my feet in a place that even though I may dash my foot against a stone, he still will deliver me. We find in the book of Isaiah, if you have your Bibles, open them starting at chapter number 40. The book of Isaiah is an incredible book. And I'm going to kind of give you just a kind of a synopsis, if you will, of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He is a man, certainly, of God. We find that the, the book of Isaiah is, is broken up into several different kind of categories, if you will. It talks about the prophecies of many things, and it prophecies about the sinfulness of Israel and Judah in the first chapter. It talks about a war in chapter 6 through 8. The prophecies during Hezekiah the king's reign is found in Isaiah chapter number 9 through 
12. The prophecies against other nations is found in Isaiah chapter number 13. Isaiah, the apocalypse, if you will, is found in Isaiah 24 through, uh, through 27. Hezekiah's rebellion against the Assyrians is found, Isaiah talked about, in chapters number 28 through 33. The judgment and promise uh, is found in 34 through 35. Isaiah's biography, nearly identical to 2 Kings 18, is found in, uh, in, 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 in Isaiah 36 uh, through 39. It brings us to a place of Isaiah chapter number 40, the prophecies concerning the end. Somebody say the end. The prophecies concerning the end of the Babylon exile. They were in a place of bondage talking about the children of Israel. They had lost everything. They went down to in captivity in Babylon. There is something to understand when they were in exile for these many years. And forgive me, I don't want to say the years because I, I wasn't 100% certain that how long they were in that Babylon exile. In fact, I didn't even really try to look it up. And so I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not knowing right off the top of my head. So they, uh, they were in that exile. They were in a place of captivity. But I did begin to read that Israel did not lose their identity even though they were in a place of captivity. They were still a nation within a nation. That tells me you are still a child of God in the midst of your captivity. In the midst of when things aren't going your way, you still can be heard of God. The Lord still sees you. He understands where you're at. He understands exactly what you're up against. He understands exactly what you're going through. So we find that Isaiah chapters number 40 through 49 is concerning the prophecies of the end. Somebody say the end. Yeah. Are you thankful that there is always an end to your captivity? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you need to have your faith rise up just a little bit, and I'm here to prophesy to you and tell you your end is about to come. The end of your captivity is about to be... You can believe it if you want, but the prophet said the end of your captivity will happen in the name of the Lord. You may not see how it's going to happen. You may not know how it's going to happen. You may wonder right now and doubt the very words of this man that is speaking to you here today. But I'm here to tell you that God is going to come into your life and the captivity and the captor of your soul is about to end. And you can leave this place with triumphant victory in your life. I'm thankful that the word of God does not just tell, tell me that everything is going to be peaches and cream and all these things and, and ice cream and everything is good and there's a lot of wonderful things in the word of God but I'm so thankful that he still speaks to the captive. He still speaks to the ones that are lost. He still speaks to the one that don't understand how they're going to get out. I'm here to tell you today Jesus is calling you. Jesus is reaching for you saying I'm going to make an end to your captivity Jesus did not come to save the free he came to save the captive somebody say amen so in Isaiah chapter number 40 it begins the prophecy everybody say it begins the beginning of the end is about to happen. The children of Israel are in a place of captivity. And how does Isaiah 40 and 1 start? He says, comfort ye. I'm here to comfort you today and say your captivity is about over. I've come to comfort you today and say Jesus is still on the throne. He understands where you're at. He understands what you're going through. And so I want to comfort you with these words. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak you comfortably to Israel and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. Oh, I thank you, Jesus, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That sounds like something John the Baptist preached about when he come out of the wilderness. What is the Isaiah talking about? 
about the reason why John the Baptist repeated what Isaiah was saying because the victor was about to walk on the scene. You may be in captive right now. You may be involved in sin right now, but prepare ye the way of victory. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. There is a voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You say, Pastor, you don't understand I'm in captivity. I don't know how I'm going to get out of the situation that I am. It is not your job to worry about how God's going to do it. All you got to know is God will do it, and he is going to prophesy to you. He's going to speak a word to you, and he's going to change your life and your situation. Every valley, verse number four, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. In other words, <laughs> when the things get down, God's going to take the low place and bring it up. And when the mountain looks too high to climb, he's going to make that high that high mountain come down low. And the crooked shall may be made straight and the rough places plain. I'm here to tell you today, I don't care what mountain's in front of you or what valley is before you. My God can bring the mountain down and he can bring the valley up. And the things that we stumble up against this world and we we stumble and fall. The Lord wants to make those paths straight today. Isaiah was prophesying to the children of Israel, I know you're in captivity. I know you're in a desperate place, but I'm about to do something great. I'm, a, I'm about to do something you've never seen before. You're my children. I'm not going to leave. You're comfortless. The question has to be asked, why? Is God doing this? Why does he want to make your paths straight? Why does he want to bring the mountains low? Why does he want to bring the valleys high? And I'm just going to give you the end to this message right now so you can understand what the end I'm trying to get to. It's because he loves you. I said because he loves you. This is not a revelatory message. This is all about Jesus made you. He created you. He breathed the breath of life in you. And he is not going to let you go without a fight. He says, I'm going to love you. My love is not short. My promises are not slack. I'm going to reach to you. And I'm going to make a way. He says, I'm going to make a way even when you don't want a way. I said he's going to make a way even when you don't want out. I'm here to when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way whether you want it or not right now. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus died for you. And when you get ready to make your decision and your election, sure, his mind is already made up. He's just waiting for your mind to get made up. <laughs> Again, this prophecy starts at chapter number 40 by saying prepare Somebody say prepare. prepare. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14 teaches us how to prepare our way before the Lord. We just read that if y'all didn't remember. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people. Yes. All right. Let's move on just a moment. The scriptures keep moving on. Let's go. It continues this prophecy Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. I got ahead of myself. The Lord created you. I said, The Lord created you. I said, The Lord created you. I don't know about you, but I love my kids. I love them with everything I've got. Why? Because I'm a part of the creation process of them being here. And I will stick up for them. I will die for them. I'll go to war for them. I'm here to tell you, my love is no match for the master. And just as much as I love my kids, he loves each one of you. His love is unmatched. It's unmeasurable. He will do whatever he has to do to save you. But now thus saith the Lord that created these, Isaiah 43 and 1, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. <laughs> fear not. They are still in captivity, but he says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and you are mine. 
You may claim, the devil may claim you. The devil may say there's no way out. But the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. I created you and you are mine. Then he goes on to says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. That means you maybe go through some hard times. I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, how many has been through a little bit of fire? Thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom in Ethiopia and see before thee since thou was precious in my sight thou hast been honorable and I have loved thee therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life I'm here to tell you today God didn't come robe himself in flesh just in the hopes that everybody would just love him no he is an awesome pursuit of you he is desiring of you he is pursuing your soul even here today He says, you're precious in my sight. He said, I have redeemed thee. I have redeemed thee. Isaiah 43 declares that he is the Holy One of Israel and that he is the rightful king. His place is on, should be on the throne of your heart. Verse number seven of Isaiah 43, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed you, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that, that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled. Who among them declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. Somebody say it is truth. It is truth. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 44 as we are still in this, uh, this, uh, uh, um, in this prophecy, if you will. Verse number one, yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom I have, somebody say, chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee out of the womb. Why? It sounds like the Lord's repeating himself. I said it sounds like the Lord's repeating himself. And sometimes I get up here and repeat myself. Why? Because I'm trying to create a picture in you that you are worth saving. I said you're worth saving. You're worth dying for. God created you so he can have his awesome pursuit of love for you. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshuan whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. <laughs> I don't have time to go into the book of Matthew. Maybe I do. Bible says, he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. What is Isaiah talking about here? For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. He is prophesying. He says, when you get thirsty, I'm going to pour upon you a measure that you will never thirst again. I'm going to pour upon you a place that you will never dry up. The floods upon the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon upon thine offspring and they shall spring up as among the grass and the willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob and another shall uh, subscribe with him his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. We're getting somewhere here today. Just told you to bear with me here for a moment. Verse number six, thus saith the Lord, the king of Israel and his, somebody say redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last and beside me there is no, there is is no, there is no God. Uh, 
and who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me. Who's it for? It's for him. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time and had declared it? Somebody say he declared it. Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I'm here to tell you, there is only one God and his name is Jesus. God came and robed himself in flesh and died among us to save us and to redeem us. There is no other God. Bible goes on to say, Isaiah 44, it deals with idolatry. The spirit of idolatry of worship. Look to your neighbor and say, pastor's getting somewhere. Hang with me for a moment. So I ask you a question. Is there a God beside God? Is there a God beside Jesus? There is no God. Isaiah said there is not one, and he couldn't think of one. In fact, he didn't want to think of one. He says, I know not any. I'm here to tell you today that once you know Jesus, you don't want another know another God. I said, when you open up the scriptures and you begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you, my soul cries out unto Jesus. And my soul does not want to be saved by another thing, but it's by Jesus Christ. That's why it's important for our kids and our children to hear the blood of Jesus Christ preached. That's why they need to know what God has done for you adults. That's why you need to share them where the Lord has brought you out. Share with them what Jesus has shown to you. I'm so thankful to that. And my kids always tell me, why do you always say stuff about us when you preach? Because I'm around you a bunch. And uh, good examples. Last night I heard Ellie, I was studying in the office and I heard Ellie in the other room and she said something about something but the thing, the phrase that, that she said that, that was so powerful to me and I got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. She says, we're here to win souls. Hey, she didn't hear that from her school. She didn't hear that from people in the world. She heard it from a daddy who preaches the gospel. She hears it from a mom and daddy who talk about it in the home. She hears it from people who love Jesus Christ. Uh, we got to be careful what our kids are repeating. They'll repeat all kinds of things in this world. I would want them to repeat, I'm here to win some souls. I'm here to touch Jesus. I'm here to know that he is the God of all creation. I won't leave Evan out of this, but he comes into my office every once in a while. And they go to a Christian, they go to a Christian academy, or a, a, a Becca Academy, which is a, a, an organization, it's a Christian school, but they teach, on, they teach on the Trinity. And Evan will come to me, and Ellie will come to me and say, well, Dad, that's not right. I said, that's exactly right. You're right. They're wrong. He says, there is no three gods. That's exactly right. How can I prepare them for a world that teaches one thing? I have to instill truth in them so they will understand what's not truth. The truth of the matter is there is one God. Jesus is his name. So Isaiah, the prophets, the prophecies here is to them to understand that it's just not some willy-nilly God that wants to save you. It's Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little secret to the book of Isaiah. Everything in the book of Isaiah is the prophetic about Jesus coming. It's preparing you for Jesus. It's preparing you for what God is about to do in their midst. Isaiah chapter number 45. Here we go. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. You know, Cyrus was not, uh, he was not a Jew, but God ordained a way for the children of Israel to get out of that Babylonian. He changed the heart of Cyrus. And he said, you are going to let my people go. Israel cried out to God and they wanted out of that place. But thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates 
and the gate shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in the pieces of the gates of brass and cut into sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name and the God of Israel. Why does God do what he does? It's because he's trying to get you to realize who he is and what he is capable of and what he will do because he loves you. He will do whatever. He will change the hearts and the minds of people around you. You've been praying for a job. You've been praying for a raise. God can change the hearts of your boss. I said God can change the heart of your boss. I felt such, I felt like I was ordained of God when we moved to Kentucky. And I do not recommend to do this in every situation, but I felt that God had opened a door for me to work at a certain business. And in my first job interview, I went to the boss and we were sitting across the table from one another and I said, God's going to bless you because you're going to hire me. I said, God's going to bless this business because I work here. This business will not fail because I'm working. And it was not something I, and I would never, that's just not my, that's not my personality to come out and say that. He looked at me with a smile and he said, well, why is that? I said, because God has always provided and in order for him to provide for me, he's got to provide for you. And don't you know, I got raise after raise after raise, and they wanted me and put me in positions that I, I did not want to be in because I knew God had a greater work for me to move back here to Indiana, and they were trying to do this, and the owner of the business, he said, why can't you just start a church here? In fact, the owner of this large dealership I was in, he came back to me. Bill Collins was his name, or Kevin Collins was his name. His dad was Bill. He said, Tim, he said, I, you've been a great benefit to this place. We, we, we need more people like you. Why can't you just start your church in this, uh, in this area that we've built? They spilled $100,000 on a waiting room. It had a pool table, had a full kitchen, it had four monitors, four TVs in it, you know, uh, uh, stone walls, it was just beautiful. They had a pool table that was made out of a Mustang. He spent all this money, and $100,000 is conservative what he spent in this waiting room. He says, this waiting room over here, you can have church right in there on Sunday morning. He said, I don't go to church, but I, I want you to stay here. So if you stay here, you can start a church right here. I'm here to God will bring favor into your life. So when we walk and I, we know we have a God, God will always provide for us. He will make a way where there seemeth to be no way. People would ask me, how are you going to start a church? I said, I don't know. I've never done it before. But I know Jesus told me to do it, so that's what we're going to do. And if Jesus told me to do it, he's not going to leave me comfortless. He's going to make the crooked paths straight. He's going to make my questions come, answers out of those questions. He's going to do what he does best. We moved up here, and I've said this testimony before. We moved up here. God told my wife, you don't need to work anymore. I said, don't you understand that we only have perhaps maybe seven people. Dad and Becky haven't even committed to our church yet. Right now, it's just four. Dad said, if it's going to be about the Holy Ghost, we'll come. But if it's not about the Holy Ghost, we'll find someplace else to go. That's the kind of dad you need in your life. I said, that's the kind of a dad you need in your life. He said it was about Jesus Christ and him crucified and his spirit moving and we'll come and be a part. So I said, all right, we got two more. So we had six and then Becky's mom started coming, right? So we had seven. Hallelujah. All right, Lord. Two-thirds of our congregation is me and my wife and two kids. And thank you, Lord, for the two kids. Because now we have Sunday school. So we had two ministries going on. We had the Sunday school ministry, and then we had the worship service with a computer in my room. I advanced the songs by having a, a wireless keyboard hit that. I, I, if you remember, I would hit the space bar on the keyboard to advance the song. 
great technology. And we had the words on a little, a little computer. And we even had words. We were on fire. <laughs> I got out of the way to worship so people could read the words. It was so goofy when you think back about it. But we were starting a work in Jesus' name. I didn't know how it was going to work out. I didn't know where this would be the place that we're in. But I know God has always prepared a place. He's always made a way where there seemeth to be no way. He always makes my crooked path straight. He will open up the gates of brass and cut under and sunder the bars of iron. And he will open up treasures in this world that will benefit the body of Christ. We didn't know how we were going to pay for anything. God would bring people into our, into our congregation. There's a lady that, that we, we prayed with and we talked with and all these things that we were trying to find a, a next place to worship in because we were at traditions at that time and, and we were trying to find our own place to, that we could invite people to the house of the Lord. And this lady came in to our, to our church and she said, uh, and, and God just allowed us to minister to her and it was, it was a frustration ministry at that point. God was showing me a lot of things. And this lady, she said, you know what? She said, why don't I just give the church the first six months rent for the next place? I receive that in Jesus' name. <laughs> and she said, I know you can't, you can't sign that first lease. Why don't I take, a, take the hit and I'll sign that lease with you so that if anything happens, I'll be responsible for it as well. Okay. She said, you know, I've seen that, that computer that you've been carrying around and doing all this and, and you don't have a projection system. You're handing out words. She said, why don't I buy the church a projector? I said, okay. She said, why don't I provide a church a, a, a screen? I said, okay. She said, why don't I do this? Why don't I do and after that, that, that year that God brought this lady in and that lady moved on out of her church onto somewhere else. But in that time of year, God provided over $12,000 of benefits to the church. I'm here to tell you today, God will make a way when you don't understand how it's going to happen because God will change the hearts and minds of people. I don't understand how God does it, how, how he does it. He just does. There is none like the Lord. I said there is none like the Lord. Why does he do all those things? It's because he loves us. He wants to do. He wants to bless us. He wants to keep us. He wants to guide us. The death on the cross did not abort Jesus' mission. Ah. Just because things look dark for a moment does not mean his mission is aborted. Many of us will flay, raise the white flag when things get tough, when things get hard, when things seem dreary, when you're in a place of captivity and you don't understand what's going to happen and what measure this thing is going to work out. But I'm here to tell you, when the things get tough and when the trials begin to mount, that is not time to abort the mission. It is just get back up on the throne of Christ and say, Lord, the greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Just because you're being held in captivity does not abort God's mission for your life. It does not abort God's love for you. It does not abort God's care for you. God sees you in the moment of captivity. He sees that hardship. He sees that wilderness place. And he says, I'm going to pursue you like I've never pursued. There is a prophetic word that will come into your life. And God will be your deliverer. Just because times are tough. You may feel like you are in a wilderness. The deliverer is on his way. The children of Israel were in Babylon. They may not understand of how long they're going to be there. They may not understand exactly what it's going to take to get out. But Isaiah began to prophesy and says, I'm going to prophesy about your end. That this time is about to be over. This time is about to come to pass. We find in later chapters, chapters number 45, and then 46, 
46 talks about, Isaiah talks about the false gods of Babylon. And he separates the false gods from the one true God. And then Isaiah prophesies about the ruin of Babylon. And then he says in chapter number 48, he says, oh, hear this. And what he begins to talk about is how Israel was going to be refined. And they begin to sing songs in 49. Verse number 8, it says, thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritage. In other words, he's saying they're going to sing a song. They're going to sing a song of love because the day of salvation is about to be, it's about to happen. The day of salvation is among us. Isaiah 50, it talks about the obedience to verse number four says, the Lord God hath given the, uh, me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. And he waketh, wakened morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. Somebody say amen. amen. Jerusalem finds comfort in Isaiah 51. Glad tidings of salvation in 52. And then we come to 53. Somebody say amen. In 53, there's a crescendo of coming out of the Babylon experience. 53 says, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. <laughs> he says, remember that Isaiah said, I'm going to pour water in you and put a flood in dry ground. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. Isaiah's talking about Christ. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and was esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne or lifted away our griefs and sicknesses and carried away our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah is speaking the prophetic, and the only way Isaiah could really speak the prophetic is he had to put it in past tense. He says, but we were wounded. It's past tense. Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. What he's saying, it says, I have seen a vision of the coming Savior, and his name is Jesus, and when he comes, I can talk about it in past tense as though it's already done. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to prophesy into your life and you can leave here believing and trusting and speaking the future in past tense. I said you can leave here believing that God not only is going to be a rewarder, he has already been a rewarder. I can go out of here saying, God, I need a job, but I can leave here saying, thank you for the job. <laughs> Isaiah was dealing with the spirit of captivity. My wife spoke yesterday out of Luke 24. If you want to turn with me to Luke 24, and I'll wrap up with a scripture here today. Luke 24 in our ladies meeting. I want to say thank you to all the ladies who came out to that meeting yesterday. Bible study. I appreciate you being there and being a part. And we find two disciples walking away from the cross. Everybody say away. They were walking away from the cross. They were walking away. From what just happened, Bible says, the theme here is that but their eyes were holding that they knew him not. They did not see Jesus that he drew near. It's because they were more captivated by their circumstance than the one standing right next to them. They were more captivated with walking back to home and not really desiring to be be talked to or really desire 
anything really to happen because of what they had just experienced. Now, these were two disciples that had walked with Jesus and really knew Jesus. They knew all about the, the cross. They knew all about of the things that had just happened. And they walked together and communed, and Jesus himself drew near in verse number 15 and went with them. But their eyes were holding. Everybody say holding. They were holding. Isaiah talks about that very thing. We read that. The spirit was holding. In other words, or he even said, Cyrus the king, he was holding unto to God. And he said unto them, what manner of the communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Why do we walk with God and we're sad? Why do we walk around acting like we're in the molly grubs? I ain't got no time to be in the molly grubs. Jesus has been too good to me. I said, I ain't got no time to be in the molly grubs. Jesus has been too good to me. I'm going to say it again. There's no time to walk around in the molly grubs. Jesus has been too good to me. He formed me. He made me. He's been too good to me. He says, what manner of communications are these that you have one for another as you walk and you're sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered and said to them, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what has happened? What are you, never been here before? Do you not understand what just took place? And he said unto them, what things? Now Jesus was just on the cross, but he asked them, what things? Look to your neighbor and say, what things? That's an interesting question for Jesus to ask. What things? And they say unto him, he wanted to, them to, uh, he wanted to uncover their heart concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him and to be condemned to death. You could feel a little bit of attitude with the disciples, a saddened countenance, countenance, and they crucified him. I can imagine tears starting to come to his eyes and say, I can't believe this took place. I can't believe this happened to me. Their ideas and their thoughts had become captivated by the world around them and what just happened. He says, but we trusted that it had been which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. He talked about a certain woman of the company and was astonished when heard we are early of the sepulcher when they found out his body and they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them, uh, he's talking to Jesus, he said, well, certain of them, them which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. He says, they went there, but they still didn't see him. That sad countenance was coming across. It's amazing how many times that Jesus is trying to reveal his love toward us, but we constantly discount what he has already done. God is pursuing us, but we discount what he has already done. Isaiah had the mindset that I'm going to write in a past tense about what he is going to do because I believe what he has already done. If God says it's going to happen, I can worship him in a place of past tense tense. These men need to get to the revelation of not just about celebration what had that was going to happen but what has already happened and that their countenance and their shame and their guilt and their sadness had come upon their face and then he said unto them O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then verse number chapter, verse number 27 Jesus teaches a Bible study and in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all, everybody say all, all the scriptures, the things concerning who? Concerning himself. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to bring you to understanding that he loves you and that he cares for you and wants you to see him for who he is. And he'll do whatever it takes to get you to see who he is. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward the evening, and the days are far spent. He went to the tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, 
and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. I asked my wife this when she was preparing on Friday night for Saturday. I asked her the question. I said, why did Jesus do this? Why? In my original thought, he was, yes, he was trying to raise their faith. Yes, he was trying to encourage them. And I got to thinking about it, praying about it, considering the scripture. And he wanted them to know this one of the disciples, Cleophas, was one, and the other one, did the, the, no, there's no name represented in Scripture. Some say it was Simon, some people was somebody else. But in that, in, in that, why did Jesus do this? It's because he loved them. And he wanted to show them how, reveal who he was to them. It was a, it was a sign of love. It was a sign of care. That he would make a pit stop, if you will, to two men walking to a city. To say, I'm tired, I'm sad, this thing didn't work out the way we thought. Things are not going our way. Things are not, we're just going to go home and be sad for a while. But Jesus showed himself to them. Showed himself to them. The love that he showed on the cross, he demonstrated to them again. He spent time with them, communed with them. He wanted to speak to them to do one thing, to show him who he really is. To show them that he loved them. If the music would come. If you want to stand with me right now, God's favor and goodwill to his people speak abundant comfort to all believers. Somebody say amen. A new creature, wherever it is, is of God's forming. Wherever you are, you are a God's forming here today. All who are redeemed with his blood, he has set apart to reveal himself. Those that have God for them need not fear or what, or, who, or fear for who or what is against them. What are Egypt and Ethiopia? All their lives and treasures. I'm referring to Isaiah 40. What are Egypt and Ethiopia? All their lives and treasures compared to the blood of Christ. He says, I brought you out of Egypt. That is nothing compared to what I've done on the cross. Brought you out of the bondage of Egypt. But I want to do more. I want to reveal myself. I want your captivity from this world to be held captive by me. The true believers are precious in God's sight. His delight is in them above anybody else. Though they went as through the fire and water, yet while they had God with them, they need to fear no evil. They should they should uh, be able to be born up and to be brought out. The faithful are encouraged. They were to be assembled from every quarter, Isaiah 40 says. And with this pleasing object in view, the prophet again dissuades us from anxious fears. I'm here to tell you today, when you are in a place of captivity, do not have anxious fears for what is going to happen. Don't worry. God is fighting for you. God is trying to bring you out. The Lord is reaching for you. And the only reason why he is pursuing you is because he formed you and he loves you. He loves you. There are some, and I hesitate to say this in this manner, but there are some that cannot show love because you have not to let the love of Jesus Christ be shed upon you. The disciples, they were sad in countenance because they didn't really see the love that Jesus had done for them. Even though they heard Jesus talk about that he was going to come and rise again, they still doubted. They believed who Jesus was, but they doubted his rising again. They believed that Jesus was the, was the Messiah, 
In fact, Luke 24 tells him, he, they were telling Jesus, they says, he was a prophet. He was sent by God. They believed who Jesus was, but they doubted his ability to get them out of the series of doubt. It's easy to believe and thank God for the power of the cross. And we all believe it. I'm so thankful, so thankful for the name of Jesus. Do I have a witness here today? I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. I said I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. At the beginning of this message, I talked about that. Each one of you are clapping and, and worshiping and loving God and thanking him for what, who he is. But when it comes to our situation, our belief goes down the toilet. Faith. God is challenging our faith, and he's wanting to show his love to us and reveal his arm to us and his power to us. But then we doubt the very resurrection and the life of Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, Dad was right on the money when he was up here speaking. I felt the Holy Ghost speak through him when he was saying that even though I may have this moment of affliction, Jesus is still my deliverer. The doctors may say one thing, God says I am healed. In fact, Isaiah talked about it in a past tense. So I wonder today, if you are in a place of captivity, whether your body is in captive to sickness or your mind is bound by addiction and you know that Jesus is on the throne and you know that Jesus died for you, I want you to hear the prophet Isaiah when he says, I'm going to prophesy to your captivity. And there is one that is greater that is coming. And he's going to make your path straight. And he's going to make your crooked places straight. And he is going to take the mountains and make them flat. And he's going to take the valleys and bring them up to a place that you can walk on that area of your life. See, Pastor, I don't understand how God's going to do it. It is not your job to understand how God's going to do it. All he is asking is to allow him to show his love to you enough that let him do what he does best. I want us to close our eyes, bow our heads right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.